This is the Commission Church Online. Welcome to our podcast. We want to be a church who brings heaven on earth through the word of God and the love of Christ. I pray this week's message blesses you. We are in the middle of a sermon series in the gospel according to Matthew. Uh, It's been an exhilarating ride, if you ask me. Uh, I have enjoyed preparing every one of my messages so far. Uh, Expository teaching uh, that is spirit-led and uh, spirit-powered is one of my, uh, my favorite styles of teaching the Word of God. I love stand, standalone messages where I hear from God and I say, God, speak to us for a season. And I love delivering those messages for the body of Christ. But equally, I do enjoy when I'm disciplined to the Word of God. And we as a church are disciplined in studying books of the Bible. Our young adults, uh, not young adults, sorry, I take that back. Our student ministry, for example, is in the book of Matthew as well. They are studying the book of Matthew verse by verse, chapter by chapter on their Wednesday night services, for their Monday night services. They are studying the book of Matthew diligently. We love studying the Word of God. We want to make sure that the culture that we build within this church is is a culture of diving into the Word and reading what the Word of God has to teach to us. So we've been in this journey for the last nine messages, not nine weeks. We've taken a break here and there, but nine messages. And today we're going to part 10. And guess what? We're only in chapter number five. So with the 28 chapters that we have, you know how long we have to go. And it doesn't matter if we go years, we're going to study the word. Amen. Is that cool? Okay. Here and there, I'll pause. We'll take some breaks here and there as the Lord tells me to take breaks. But in Matthew chapter five, we are introduced to what is referred to uh, by biblical writers, and Matthew in particular, as the Beatitudes. Uh, and uh, it starts off with the Beatitudes and uh, slowly then transitions to what is also called as the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Jesus is calling us into his own attitude through presenting to us these Beatitudes or these eight steps of what we will refer to as mature steps towards mature Christian living. Uh, simply put, the word beatitudes, or where we get the word beatitudes, is from the Latin beatitudo, which, is, which means, in English, which means blessed. It literally means to be blessed, to be filled with, 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 with anointing, with blessing. That's the word beatitudo. In, 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 in Hebrew, when, when it's translated, it, it, sorry, in Greek, when it's translated, it, it's translated to this word makarios, which is blessed. Makarios, which is blessed, which means human flourishing. The, the idea that God wants to present to us through this message that Jesus preaches on that, on that mountaintop experience is an experience that God teaches us and says, hey, I want you to live the life that I want you to live in prosperity, in blessing, but the prosperity that I want you to live in is not the prosperity of the world. It's not riches, it's not money, it's not, uh, it's not material wealth, so on and so forth. That all, that all that is great, but, but beyond that, it is important for us to understand that God's riches lie in these eight beatitudes that are beautiful for our encouragement as Christians. And we're going to go through each one of those. As we start this message, I am, I am titling my message this morning, Meekness, Not Weakness. Meekness, Not Weakness. Uh, you can scan the QR code that's up there. It'll open the Bible app for you. And all the notes are on there. The notes are going to be on screen as well for those of y'all who are taking notes in your books. Uh, like I said, the Beatitudes are eight steps towards mature Christian, Christian living. And in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 1 to 4, we studied this two weeks ago where the Bible says this, seeing the crowds, Jesus went up to the mountain. When he sat down, his disciples came to him. Now I want to pause there for just a second. I want to clarify what the Bible is saying here. Seeing the crowds, he saw the crowds. Verse chapter number four, we saw the crowds were thronging, the fans and the followers, the message that we kind of talked about, the difference between fans and followers. So as the fans were thronging and wanting to see what Jesus was doing, Jesus said, I don't want people who just observe what I'm doing. I'm about to go sit down and teach a serious bunch of followers. So the Bible says Jesus saw the crowds 
And he went up, he detached himself from the crowds. He went up to the mountain where he sat down. And the Bible is clear, the disciples came to him. The followers then were detached from the fans and the followers came and sat at his feet or stood around him. And Jesus started and started teaching and saying, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Now, this is where we kind of left off last time. And as we get into part 10, we are going to verse number five and verse number six. If we have time, we'll get to verse number six, but verse number five. This is what the Bible says. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Six, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Would you pray with me this morning? Father God, would you speak to us through your word? Give us the ability to understand this word, God. I pray, God, that you will give me the strength to be able to take what you have spoken to me in those private moments of prayer and preparation. God, how you just change my mind about what you have to talk to us about meekness and why the Christian ought to be meek. I pray that you will give me the ability to be able to explain this and dissect this and break this down into understandable proportions. And I pray, God, for hearts that are soft, I pray, God, for hearts that will melt today when they listen to the word. I pray, God, for hearts that are like sponges that will receive the word and not just receive it, but absorb it and allow it to do a work in their hearts this week. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody said, amen, amen. I want to make some introductory statements this morning. We live in a world which celebrates and worships power in all forms. The world rejects anything that actually smells of weakness. We begin training our kids at a very young age to be tough, to be tough-skinned. Don't be a baby is what we tell people when they cry. There's this inherent need to be strong. There's this inherent need to have power. There's this inherent need that we have to see other people empowered. Throughout history, we see history is all about being empowering people groups, empowering nations, empowering cultures, so on and so forth. And it's not wrong that we empower people, but it's so important to understand the biblical idea of meekness as compared to what the world thinks of power and what the world thinks of people that have no power. Jesus said, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. I, I just wanted to be inquisitive because I, I kind of studied the Greek or the original language that Jesus uses in this word, which is also, uh, he's taking away from the Psalms, he's taking this passage from the Psalms, but before that, I kind of wanted to see what our culture defines meekness as. So guess what our culture defines meekness as? The Merriam-Webster defines meek as deficient in spirit and courage. Deficient in courage and deficient in spirit. This is what meek means. If I ask anybody in this world what meek means, they will tell you this is what it means. Why? Because that's what the world tells us. That's what the dictionary tells us. That's what the common usage tells us. The second definition is not violent or not strong. These are the two depictions of being meek. If you are meek, it means you're not strong. If somebody calls you meek, it means you have no courage. If somebody calls you meek, it means you're deficient in your spirit. There is a deficiency in your spirit. There's a deficiency in your courage. You're not bold. You're not brave. I hope you're catching this drift. And this is hard to understand because a lot of people think that meekness is weakness because of this. And they're unable to see the biblical understanding of meekness or how powerful this aspect of meekness is as Jesus wants us to understand it because of what the world tells us meekness is. See, meek, there's this common uh, this saying that, that floats around that meekness may get you to heaven, but it won't get you a promotion. And it's very true. That's what the world wants you to believe. That if you're not tough, and if you're not strong, and if you're humble, and if you're, you know, just, just, just uh, whatever this, the, the definitions I gave you, the, the spirit of the deficiency in the spirit of courage, all of that stuff, it's not going to get you promoted. It's not going to get you climbing up the corporate ladder. It's not going to get you anywhere in life. You have to hustle is what the world tells you. But Jesus defies it all. He turns the word upside down. He turns the world upside down and he says, the meek will get it all. When the world says, if you're meek, you won't get anything. Jesus turns around and says, if you're meek, you will inherit 
the earth. Man, this is, this is transformational. Jesus takes this and turns it upside. Why? Because it's important to understand what meekness truly is. Meekness in the Greek is this word called prahas. This word called prahas, and I don't, I don't mean to bombard you with the, the, the Grecian language of sorts, but it's important for us to understand the basics of this. And un unless and understand we, unless and until we understand the backdrop, it's so, so difficult for us to get deep into this and accept this as something that's going to change our life upside down. Trust me, at the end of this message, some of you are going to walk out and be like, I got to change my life. Y'all ready for this? Meekness. The word prahas, it, 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 it means it's not weak. It's, it's, it's not fragile. It's not frail. It's not timid. It's, it, it means this. It means strength under control. Write that down. Prahas or meekness simply means strength under control. Three beautiful words. If you get this, if you understand this in these next 25 minutes, if you can get this and allow this to dig deep in, I, I promise you we're going to develop some husbands, some wives, some fathers, some mothers, some children in this place that are going to do exploits for the kingdom of God. This is going to be powerful. Strength under control. The word that Jesus uses there that says inherit, you will inherit the, the, the earth is this word called kleronomio, which means receive or gain possession. You will receive, gain possession of the earth that you're in. He's not talking about every part of the earth, the ends of the earth. That's probably not what it is. It means your earth. It means your world. It means your circumstances. It means your job. It means your business. It means your family. The things that you have absolutely no control over. Come on. I'm, and this is going to start to make sense a lot more. But what is your earth this morning? How many of y'all feel in your life that you have no control whatsoever in, in things surrounding your life? It could be your finances, it could be your future, it could be your children. Sometimes if you feel like it's like a loose cannon and, and you have absolute, and Jesus is looking at some of y'all and saying, if you're meek, you will inherit your earth. I'm, I'm going to make this statement again. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is not weakness. Who does the Bible describe as weak? Can we start off there? Who does the Bible describe as weak? Here are the people. Moses. This guy called Abraham, all right? This guy called David. This guy called Paul in the New Testament. And even Jesus himself in the Bible is described as being meek. Someone say meek. When I hear the names of these people, what comes to me is not the word weak. When I hear these names of Moses and David and all these giants of the faith, the first word that comes to me is not the word weak. Not one of y'all could... could Use weak as a synonym for David. He was a mighty man of valor. He was a God, man after God's own heart. This, this is powerful stuff. Like, you cannot be weak and lead a million people through the, the wilderness. Am I talking to somebody? Like, you cannot be weak. You cannot be weak and be the father of faith. Like, everything hinged around this man. This guy is the perfect example of a man of faith. Abraham. He's not weak. Come on, am I talking to somebody? You cannot be weak and be the greatest king that Israel in history has ever seen. Ooh. You cannot be weak and slay a giant and slay a, a, a lion. and a, You cannot be weak and look the enemy in his eye and say, no, 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 no. I, I hope you're getting this. Can you be weak and become the greatest missionary and the apostle the world has ever seen? Can you be weak and reign as the king of kings and the lord of lords? You can't because weakness is not meekness. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness does not equate weakness. So today, if there's one prayer that I have as I start this message, is to take this idea that meekness means weakness, or to be meek is to be weak, and take it and debunk it. Throw it out of the window. Throw it out of the door. Give it a kick as hard as you can, because that is not the idea. Get ready, because God is about to open your eyes. Three words, three words, the three usages for this word called meek. Doctors, there are some doctors sitting here, people in the medical profession. Doctors use this word meek, and meek would describe a medicine that's actually given to patients with a high fever and, and to settle them and to allow them to rest and to sleep. Okay? A meek medicine would actually give a patient rest. Someone say rest. Sailors use it. Joshua, you probably know what I'm talking about when I say meek. 
All right, sailors use it. Meek means uh, uh, they, they were referred to as a gentle, cooling breeze. Is often called meek. In the case of a wild horse or a colt that's about to be broken, you can't take a wild horse and use it. A, a cowboy can't use a wild horse. Can't find one side of the street and say, "All right, let's go, get it." No, you have to break the horse in. There's a process of breaking in. And the process of breaking in, when you take a wild horse and when it's broken and made ready to be used on a farm or for transportation or for whatever purposes, that's when that, 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 that meek, it's, this is powerful. Okay, now here's what I want you to understand. Medicine, wind, a horse, all have power. Those scream power. Those scream might. The, when, and, and here's the thing. When excessive and out of control, their powers can be dangerous and even deadly. We've been watching it all over the news over the last few, few days. As Ian is torn through Florida and Carolinas, it's, it's crazy what's going on. Uncontrolled strength can bring ruin. But under proper control, they can greatly be beneficial. See, a meek wind is a gentle wind that can come and bring a soothing breeze, something that's refreshing. A meek horse or a meek, a meek, uh, a meek colt or a meek horse changes from a wild horse that has so much power to be tamed and that could be used in good ways. Mm. Medicine, drugs that have the power to damage if used in a meek way have the potential and the power to heal to restore strength, strength under control is meekness. And Jesus is looking at Christians and believers and disciples and saying, if you want to inherit your earth, learn how to be meek. Learn how to take your strengths. Learn how to see what am I good at? What are the strengths that I have? What are my capabilities? What are my abilities? And learn to harness them. I'm going to step on some toes this morning because um, all my toes are hurting. This last week has been brutal for me. Come on, somebody. Because as, as, as Christians and human, not just as human beings, but Christians, there's so much strength that we possess in different areas of our life. But unfortunately, these strengths will be strengths that would actually keep us away from harnessing, from, from taking control of environments and things in our life that, that keep slipping away. Some of us, it's our marriage. Some of us, it's our kids. Like we have, abs we have strength over them, but we have absolutely no control because we have no control over that universe. We have no control of that environment. We have no control of that world. We have no control of that earth. And no matter how much you're trying and no matter how much strength and being a parent is your strength, but that strength is not used in the right way and it's not meek enough. And God is looking at some of y'all and saying, if you are meek, something amazing is going to happen in your world. There are examples of this in the Bible. I'll give you five. Moses. Like I said earlier, he's not a, he, he was not at all weak. He was not a timid man. But God identifies him as one of the meekest men on earth. That's what Numbers says. Numbers chapter 12 and verse 3. It says this. Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. This man, God had to teach him and God had to train him because this man had strength that he didn't know about. Am I talking to somebody? Coming out from the Egyptian home, he was like, oh, I'm this raging bull. I got all this strength. I, I'm, I'm going to use this strength. I'm going to... And, and, and what has is, what is happened? He uses his strength and he kills somebody. Whew, this is good, y'all. He uses that strength. He kills somebody. The untamed strength. The, the untamed passion, the untamed ability that he had goes into destruction mode. And as he goes into destruction mode, he starts taking people down with him. And God looks at him and says, no, 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 no. You have more potential than that. 40 years, he packs his bag, sends him away. 40 years, this man 
had to learn humility. This man had to learn how to take his strength and harness his strength. And God looks at him and says, you man that was proud, you man that was strong in the world, I have humbled you. 40 years is all God took. But those 40 years were 40 years that God brought him down to his knees, cut him down. He was so humble as humble can be. Nobody even knew his name. But when he came out of that, he met with God face to face. He took his shoes off where it would have never been an opportunity for him to take his shoes off. He stands in the presence of God when the burning bush is going. He says, this is holy ground. Only a meek man, only a meek woman will be able to understand that he needs to take his crown off. He needs to take his strength off. He needs to take his abilities off, put it aside in the presence of Jesus and say, Jesus, would you take complete control? Here's a man that walked into, into Egypt and he said, let my people go. Come on. It wasn't his own ability. It wasn't the same strength with which he killed that man that he came up with. It's the same strength. He looked at God and said, God, it's not me. I don't have the words. And God says, that's exactly what I want. I don't need your strength. I can work even though you are not. Because mm. the Bible says that when, when the story of Moses starts, he says, Lord, I have a stammer, God. I don't think I can do this. The Bible but the Bible never, excuse me, the Bible never says that God takes away his stammer. And God's like, man, that's, what, that's the realization that I need you to get at. That it's not by your power. That it's not by your strength. When you're able to muzzle your strength, when you're able to keep it within you and trust in me and trust in my ability, your meekness kicks in. And when your meekness kicks in, you have more authority and more control of the world that you're living in. ready. Abraham. This guy had so much authority and power. You, you remember? God looks at him and says, leave your land. Leave your father's house. I want you to go alone. So this guy gets up, but he doesn't go alone. Remember what he does? He takes his, his little nephew, who? Lot, with him. He says, come on with me. And God's like, bro, yeah, it might be a great idea, but that's not a God idea. Like some of us, like we think we have great ideas and God's going to be like, go for it. Why did I think of it, Ashish? <laughs> I'm like, God, you need me. <laughs> Remember, guys, great ideas are not always God ideas. And, and Abraham's like, I got this, God. Lot, this guy's an amazing guy. He's going to be my right hand. He's the most, he's, he's going to make sure that I reach the land that you're sending me to. And God's like, bro, I told you to go on your own. What happens? Somewhere along the lines, the Bible says, Lot's men and Abraham's men start fighting. They start having confusion, right? There's, there's, there's confusion in the camp, and, and Abraham had the power. He had the authority over his nephew, Lot, right? Yet, he gracefully allows Lot to choose how their land would be split in Genesis 13, not because he was insecure, not because he was fearful that he will lose everything that belonged to him, but meekness kicked in. And the meekness allowed him to look at him and say, I have power over you. I have authority over you. I can say one word and you will be gone. But meekness chooses not to. Abraham exercised meekness. The Bible talks about that and God blesses him. Joseph in the Old Testament, this man that was sold as a young boy into slavery, by his own brothers later through a, through a series of events. And some of y'all probably know this story, but this young man goes on to become the prime minister of this land called Egypt. He stands up when his brothers have finally come in front of him and he had the complete power to overtake them, to overcome them, to destroy them, to kill them. But standing in front of them, he stands up and he shows meekness, power under control. Just because you have it, it doesn't mean you use it. Just because you can, it doesn't mean you do. Christian that's listening to me, believer that's listening to me, Jesus takes his followers, sets them aside from the crowd of fans, and he says, y'all, I'm talking to y'all. What makes you different from the world is that definition of, the, of, of meekness. It's not our definition of meekness. We're going to turn this upside down. When they say that weakness is being restrained, being, being, being not powerful, being weak, I'm going to look at you and say meekness is having strength, but yet having the ability to control the strength that you have. 
David's greatest victories were not fought in the battlefield. Goliath was not David's biggest victory. The animals he fought and he won over were not his greatest victories. David's greatest victories were fought in his heart. The same way his heart fell, he had the ability to pick up his heart, speak to his heart. The song we said, the, the song we sang today, he spoke to his soul. That's from David. Wake up, soul. Get up, soul. You messed up, soul. Wake up, heart. Stop being depressed. Come. You remember that after his falling out with King Saul? I'm running through this, y'all, but he becomes his fugitive. He starts running for his life from this deranged king called Saul because Saul is out there to kill him, destroy him. At least on two occasions, David had the power to completely kill King Saul. But the Bible tells us that David stopped himself. And we'll talk about that in just a second. But he stops himself just because you can do it just because you have the money to do it, just because you have the power to do it, just because you have the influence to do it, just because you're dad, just because you're the husband, just because you're the wife, just because you have a voice, just because you have the freedom, it doesn't mean you do it. Sometimes a Christian has to restrain himself. That's what it's called, meekness. We wonder why we don't have control over the life that we live and the universe and the world and the earth that we live in and God's looking at you and saying, bro, do you even have self-control? You have these concocted plans that you have inside of your heart and you want me to come on board. You want me to second the motion. You want me to say amen to your plans, but that's not how it works. Meekness is about you surrendering and saying, I can do it, but I won't do it. I can do it, but I shouldn't do it. I can do it, but I won't do it. There are decisions you have to make. The Bible talks about Isaiah, in Isaiah 53 in verse 7, it says, He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Woo! Some of us need to hear this word today. <laughs> I told you, my, my, my toes are hurting. I don't know how I'm standing here right now. Jesus done stepped my toes this whole week. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that is before its shearers is silent, so he opened his mouth and cussed them. No, no, no. It says he opened not his mouth. Jesus Christ. The Bible says, he, he himself says, I am meek and lowly at heart. This, this person that unlimited power, unlimited resources, Jesus stands up and says, I will not say a word. You want biblical precedents for meekness? I give you five biblical precedents for meekness. Not one, not two. If the Christian needs to live a life where you have control over your universe, over your life, over your family, over your job, over your finances, over the things that God has put over you, it's so important to restrict yourself. Let me give you a few points and I'll close up. How, how do I demonstrate weakness? How does the Christian demonstrate weakness? Oh, sorry, meekness. How does a Christian demonstrate meekness? Point number one. Meekness is not demonstrated when we are wrong. Meekness is demonstrated when we are right. I'll take a second for, you, for that to sink in. Just take a second and allow that to sink in. Meekness is not demonstrated when we are wrong. Meekness is demonstrated when we are right. If we are in the right and have the power to hurt someone that is wrong, meekness allows us to show grace. How many of you have ever been there in your life where you're like, I was wronged. I have all the right. It's, did you see what they did to me? Did you see what they said to me? Did you see what happened over there? I'm in the right. Like I have all the right to respond the way I did. Pastor, you, it's so awfully quiet in here. Is this because you're like allowing this to soak in and you're like, Pastor, why? I don't know what's, but I believe, like I said, I was hurt this whole week listening to this and I'm, I'm praying that God changes my heart and I pray that this will be you. 
We talked about David in 1 Samuel 24. King Saul stumbles into this cave that David and his men are in. No idea. David and his men are hiding from this guy that is coming to kill them. Saul creeps into this cave. Creeps into this cave and David is right behind him. Sword right there. The same guy that didn't hesitate to chop the head of Goliath. The same guy that didn't hesitate to tear open the mouth of the lion. He's like, man, I didn't even have to go looking for you. You are right here. Ooh, what would you have done? If you were given the, the opportunity to take vengeance and revenge on somebody that did you wrong. The golden opportunity. People would look at you and say, you're a fool for letting that go. No, I'm not a fool. I'm meek. I'm meek. He could have ended his enemy at that moment right there, but he didn't. You know what, what David does? This is what he does. He takes a sword. What does he do? Instead of chopping his head off, he... <laughs> That's meekness. That's restraining of strength. I could do this, but he cuts off the, the, the end of his garment just to show Saul, hey, I could have done this to you, but I didn't. I didn't. And I pray that this word will come as an eye-opener for so many of us because we cannot grow in our Christian walk and in our faiths in this world. We'll not see more Christians, authentic Christians that, were, that God intended to change the world. Remember, this message is not for everybody. It's for the ones that Jesus said, come close. He's talking to the closed ones and he says, y'all are going to be the world changers. Y'all are going to be the church planters. Y'all are going to be the life changers. Y'all are going to be the ones that go baptize and go into all the world to declare the goodness of Jesus. Y'all are going to go into the world. I'm going to give you in, 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 in Matthew 28. He was about to release the gate commission. And guess what? He's talking to the same group of people that was followers that said, go into all the world, declaring the goodness of Jesus, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of that. Of the, he's, he, before he commissions them, he needs them to understand that they need to have a heart of meekness. I can do this. But David says, I'm not. Oof. He keeps his power under control. He would have seemed justified man, to many people. But he kept his power under control. He trusted in God to fight his battles instead of him trying to resolve the issue himself. Because for him, man, he's looking back at his life or he's looking into his life and he's going to commit more errors in the future. But he's, man, I've, I've done messed up. I've, I've done wrong things. I've done so many things and I'm going to continue doing it. But the more I can show grace, the more I can show mercy, the more I can display meekness, the grace of Jesus and the grace of God will be so much more relevant in my life. You know what Jesus is saying over here? Blessed are the meek. They will, it's literally this, what I'm about to say. Those who have weapons and know how to use them, but still keep them sheathed, will inherit the earth. That's it. What are your weapons? And that, some, for some of us, the weapons are on our tongue. Y'all can cuss so good. I, sometimes I listen to people cuss and I'm like, man, how'd y'all learn that? Y'all practice that like for years and years because y'all are fluent in that. That's, that's a, I, it just rolls off your lips like it's nothing. You have to like, like we were trying to teach our daughter memory verses this week for their C kids. And man, we were just like asking them to repeat over and over and over and over and over and over again. I'm like, people have to like learn this, like, like, like train to actually be so profound. But again, our, our attention is back to Christ as our example. No one was more courageous than him, yet he said, I am meek, I am lowly in my heart. This is powerful, y'all. This is, this, is, this is good. This is powerful. In Matthew chapter 26, I don't know if you remember Jesus in Gethsemane. You remember that encounter? Jesus is about to die. He's about to be given up. 
The Roman authorities are there to seize him, right? In verse number 52 in Matthew 26, and Jesus said to him, put, Jesus says to Peter, right? Peter has a sword drawn out. How many of you guys saw John walking in? He had a big security shirt on. <laughs> He's a funny guy. We, we have different guys every week to, to do security, and he went and got a security shirt just for today. He's that dedicated to what he's about to do today. So he said, he said, Pastor, I got you. I'll be protecting you. I was like, I, I'm good. I don't need any protection, but he's here to protect all of you guys. But that's the idea. Peter with his, with his security shirt on, he's like, you have to come through me to get to Jesus. And he's like, I see Jesus threatened. So he takes his little pocket knife out for his sword. I don't know what it is. Unsheets it. Chops this guy's ear off. Ooh. And Jesus looks at him, verse 52. And Jesus said to him, put your sword back into its place for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Come on. Verse, listen to this. Verse 53. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once send me more than 12 legions of his angels? Ooh. You know what a legion is? A Roman legion was 4,200 soldiers. 12 times 4,200 was 50,400 soldiers. I have that written down. I just didn't do it in my head. <laughs> and Jesus is like, dude, Peter, man. Like, don't you think I have the power and the authority like to call angels and they will defend me? I don't need no puny creature standing in front of me with his little pocket knife drawn out. And yet, that's what we do. In all the battles that we have to fight, cut people's ears off every moment we get. Like, what'd you say to me? <laughs> what'd you do? I'm like, calm down. And no, that's, I'm not talking about people on the road and cutting people off on the road. I'm talking about the house, like at home. Ooh, some people didn't like that. Like I had to deal with myself as to how I talk to my wife and how I talk to my children. And he said, man, I could just call these legions of angels and they will be there. But, but he chose not to exercise power and authority. And he says, I am going to be submitted under the will of the Father. When others focus their attention on themselves or their adversaries, the meek will focus their attention on the Lord. Point number two, write this down. Meekness describes our attitude towards God's word. Meekness describes our attitude towards God's word. James 1.19 tells us this, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And in verse 21, it says this, to receive God's word with meekness. Unsheathed, sheathed. In chapter number four, James is actually giving us reasons for fights and quarrels among believers. Like, man, we have an amazing church, but I'm telling you, the body of Christ have people that do not know how to control their emotions and words. And I'm talking to all of us sitting over here. Watch your tongue when you talk to fellow believers. When you talk to people in these corridors and these the, the rooms and the, our kids and other women and men in this church. I don't know what, you're, what you've been through personally with whoever you've been through, but, but I'm telling you something. That's, this is, the church is not the place to come and project your feelings and take out your emotions because of personal vendettas and personal feelings that you have in your heart. You're doing harm to the body of Christ. I'll say this. I'm sorry, but I'm okay. My toes hurt. I'm sure your toes are okay being hurt. Let's, all our toes can be heard today. Like, what makes it okay for us to unleash 
vendetta, unleash words of fury and unleash judgment on people inside of church. There are so many people that walk away from church and walk out of the church and will never come back because of your selfishness and my selfishness. Tame it, muzzle it, sheath it. If you do not know how to control your mouth when you talk to fellow believers, go to the presence of God and ask for forgiveness. If you have been ever hurt by somebody that has unleashed their fury inside of a church building by a fellow Christian, by somebody that you trusted, I pray that you will find heart to forgive that person, to forgive them, to forgive their heart, and ask God to forgive them and deal with them. But if you have been that person that have caused that at some point in your life, I pray that God will give you the meekness and the humility to go and ask for forgiveness. I didn't have that in my notes. God just put that in my heart to share that with you, so I just had to. What is your attitude towards God's word? It will reflect in your meekness towards others. Point number three. Meek are those who trust and hope in the Lord. You know, Jesus is quoting from from Psalms 37, and I don't have time to go over Psalms 37, but Jesus is basically saying those who trust you know, those who trust in the Lord will not worry. Two times in that passage, in Psalms 37, he repeats and he says, do not fret because of those who, uh, those of, those of you who are, who are, who are, who are troubled in your heart. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways. Two times he says, do not fret. It's important to understand that what Jesus is saying is that he is calling us to have our strength under control. I don't know about you, man. Sometimes I sit in front of that TV and I just want to what? Throw stuff at that TV. Stuff that people say. Stuff that people, their opinions. People's, the news. God. I'm like, Father God, would you just come and save these people already? If you're like me, if you want to throw stuff at the TV, man, now that may be you and, and, and you may be going, man, it's, these are not getting easier. These times are not getting easier. But a lot of my friends and, and a lot of these guys, a lot of my friends that are guys have problems, issues with anger. There are times that I catch myself as well. I know that there are people here that are wrestling with things in your life that drive you nuts, that prompts you to get angry. But I'm praying that you will put your trust in God. Today, the call is, how can I control? How can I be meek? How can a Christian be meek? It is when you trust and hope in the Lord. Do not fret, is what Psalms 37 says. Trust in the Lord. You will succeed in your ways. Be meek, is what the Bible says. I need to go on. Four. Meekness is demonstrated in our attitudes towards others. Our attitudes towards fellow Christians that, that sin should be one of meekness. I'm kind of digressing from what I said earlier, but some have the tendency to gossip about it, puff yourselves about it, compare. But what did the Bible say in Galatians 6.1? The Bible says this, brothers, if someone is caught in sin, you who are, a spiritu who are spiritual should restore him or her gently. Someone say gently. That's what the Bible says. Restore them. Not criticize them. Not put them down. The word is opposite. Not kick them out. Not say you have no place here. Not say you don't belong here. It's the opposite. It says restore them gently. That's the beauty of it. What is your attitude towards Christians that fall? That fall short. That word for restore is the one that doctors would use to describe setting a broken bone back in place. Once again, we see that picture of power under control band, you guys can get up to get ready to come up. Or what if someone treats you unfairly? Are we quick to listen and slow to anger? Do we respond in anger when treated unfairly? Like, wouldn't you agree with me that we're an easily offended generation? Everything offends us, man. Cancel culture. That's what we, that's what we hinge on. Let's cancel everything that, that we don't agree with. But nothing changes from the truth of the Word of God. The Bible says, I am the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Your likes and dislikes might change. Your, inhibi 
you know, your, your proclivities might change, but that doesn't require me to step off the throne and say, oh, is that how you want it? Let me dance to your music. Nope. He says, I'm the same unchanging God yesterday, today, and forevermore, and that will continue to be him. He will always be on the throne. I'm going to say this. If you want to write this down, write this down. We're almost done. The attitude of meekness does not mean that one is not responsive. Don't get me wrong. It means one is not reactive. That's a big difference. The attitude of meekness does not mean that you're not responsive to something that happened to you. Response is good. Response is important, but how you respond. So that's why, that's why this, this quote says this. It means that you're not supposed to be reactive. Responding to something is okay, but when you react to something, a reaction causes another reaction. A reaction causes a bigger, a reaction causes something it's science, basic science. And today I want to encourage somebody. I, I didn't get a chance to go into the next verse, but we're going to pause there for today. We did one verse, y'all. How many of y'all learned something this morning? Can we stand up to your feet this morning? Stand up to your feet, stand up to your feet. Inheriting the earth has a lot to do with your range of influence. Like, what is your influence today? We're about to head out and do some baptisms, but uh, man, I just want to give us a moment just to reflect. I just want to give us a moment to just pause and ask God for wisdom. As Janice is just playing the keys, and I just, I just want us to take a moment, just wherever you're standing, take a moment to just reflect. Like, has your idea of, of meekness changed today? Has the Holy Spirit taught you something new today? Here is what you will do that will cause the biggest disservice to God. That each one of us will walk out of this room today, walk out of these doors, get into our cars, and go back to living our Christian lives the same old way without changing one small thing about the way you live your life. This is beautiful when Jesus says your influence on your world and your influence on your earth is so powerful. I can go on and on and on about world changers. A woman called Mother Teresa who was such a big influence in the world not because of her oratory abilities, not because she was a president of a country or because she was a, a prime minister or she had authority. It was because she had this thing called meekness. Some of us have so much power. We have so much influence and that influence isn't exerted. It's not displayed. It's not portrayed. It's not shown to the world because we have, we have not learned how to master it as yet. We haven't learned how to tame it and control it. We, we don't know how to sheath it. We, we don't know how to bolster it. The weapons are, are, are made, the powerful, but, but those weapons need to be bolstered. Those weapons need to be sheathed. Those weapons need to be muzzled and, and contained. And I need someone to tell yourself today, just because you have it, it doesn't mean you use it. Just because you can say it, it doesn't mean you will, you should say it. it. It Just because it crossed your mind, it shouldn't come out of your mouth. Just because it's stirred up within your heart, those ill feelings, the Christian has the ability to say, not today, Satan, not today. That's meekness. The Christian has the ability to say, not now, not ever. I am a child of the living God. I am born again. I am baptized. I am filled with the Spirit. I am changed, redeemed, transformed, full of grace, full of truth. God is in me. And because God is in me, I will show the world who this God is. This God is a forgiving God. This God 
is a graceful God. This God is a God of mercy and love and generosity. And in everything I do, I want to exude these qualities. Let the world see Jesus through your meekness. Richard and Jeff, would you guys be available for prayer? If there's anybody that needs prayer here, just come forward, guys. And our elders are just waiting on the wings to pray for you guys. And I'm just going to give you a few moments. I'm going to come back here and I'm going to pray out and close. But in this, I want to, I want to be very careful. I want to, I want us to pray. I want us to seek God's face. I want us to make some decisions today. I want to ask God to do some amazing things today. I want changed hearts and renewed hearts. I want marriages to be renewed. I want people to go back to their homes and say, I'm going to change something about my life. I want some of y'all to go back to your jobs and I want y'all to treat your co-workers differently. I want, to treat, I want you to treat the people that work under you differently, people that work above you differently. I want you to treat your your your. Your, your church members, people that go to your church with you differently. Your family members differently. Your parents differently. That, pe- that person that you've been giving that cold shoulder to differently. Why? Because God is looking for meekness. You will inherit your earth. You will. Abraham, this man who was called meek, earth was so small at that point in time I want you to listen up the earth that Jesus told him God told him about was you will inherit your earth it was so small at that point in time but the meek man called Abraham his meekness knew no bounds it transferred from generation to generation to generation and Jewish people till this day are of influence in every sphere that they walk into that's the kind of influence I want to see in your life That it's just not you being blessed, but your children and your children's children and generations to come will hold a legacy of I was, my goodness of God has flown through my life. And that love and that mercy will exude through my life. Thank you for listening. We love bringing you the word on so many different platforms. We are so thankful for what God is doing in and through us. We'd love for you to subscribe so you don't miss out. And don't forget to share this message if it has blessed you.